I think this was actually David's finest hour. Because what David does here is what love does. And it's nothing to do with self. It's not self-pity or self-promotion. You'll notice that self is at the heart of both of these temptations. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, at a point in the story now where David is at a high point in his life, his oppressor, Saul, had just died. And he could have responded in a different way. But today we hear that we can learn a great lesson from David in the way he responded to these events. Yeah, I mean, Saul had made uh, David's life uh, so painful in so many ways, just had been so awful towards him. And finally, David's released. He's free. Saul's dead. He's gone. My whole life's going to be different and new. And you would expect him to be uh, shouting hallelujah and so full of joy. And he's not because he really did love even his enemy, even the person that set himself against David. David had compassion. He had had love. And uh, I think for that reason that this really was David's finest hour. We see a reflection of the love of Christ and And uh, I found this to be profoundly challenging. When God releases you from a difficult relationship, how are you going to react? That's going to say a great deal about what's in your heart. Yes, and it's a powerful, practical lesson we can learn today. So I hope if you can, you'll join us in the second book of Samuel, chapter 1, as we continue the message, Grieving Without Gloating. Here's Pastor Colin. Here I want to draw your attention to something that the Scripture says that is really, folks, very, very hard for us in our culture here to take in at all. We live in a culture where there is a vast audience for anyone who wants to tell a story that will bring someone else down. That's just the world in which we're living. It's very sad. But we are living in a culture in which, because of the sinfulness of the human heart, there is a vast audience For anyone who wants to tell a story that will bring another person down, which shows how far we are away from love and how little we know about it. Here's the scripture that I have in mind. Peter says this, above all, keep loving each other earnestly, deeply, since love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. That's what love does. And if love is in you, it will be very common for you to be covering multitude of sins in the life of another person that you love, because that is what love does. Brothers and sisters in Christ, think about the sins that God has covered for you. You're going to come to the communion table in just a few minutes' time. And here together, we are going to be reminded of just how God has loved us. And here's how he has loved us. Micah puts it this way. He has compassion on us. He loves us. And what does it look like? He treads our iniquities underfoot, and he casts our sins into the depths of the sea. He covers them over. He puts them out of his sight. That is what God has done for me. And if you are truly a Christian today, that is what God in Jesus Christ has done for you. He has said, your sins and your iniquities, I will remember no more. 
Now, understand this because it's very important. I speak to my Christian brothers and sisters, all of you who are in Christ. I want you to remember today that you will be in heaven not because you are without sin, but because God does not charge your sins against you. That's the only reason that you'll be in heaven. That's the only reason that I will be in heaven. God has a case that if he chose to, he could bring against you and against me simply on the basis of the last week, that if he were to bring it, would be enough to condemn you and me tonight, today, and to hell forever. And you ask the question, why then doesn't he do it? Why? Because you're in Christ. Because he loves you. Because he has said their sins and their iniquities, I will remember no more. I will cover them over. So that we read in the scriptures, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Who wrote that? It's a psalm. Take a guess. David wrote it. He knows how much God has covered for him and that that's the only reason he has any standing with God at all. And when you know how much God has covered for you, then it begins to give you a heart of mercy, a heart of grace, even towards the souls in your life who may have hurt you badly. And how wonderfully David demonstrates this here. Love grieves. It's what it does at the ending of a difficult relationship. Love covers. Here's the third thing. Love commends. And I want just to introduce here a verse from the New Testament because it gives us the principle on which David is obviously working here. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, you'll know this. It's a verse I think that I quote almost every day, and I need to quote it every day in my own life. It's always with me, and it's so important. Brothers, sisters, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if anything is excellent, if there's anything that's worthy of praise, think about these things. Get your mind on that stuff. Get your mind off all the other stuff that'll drag you down will suck you into bitterness and make a choice that is a choice that David quite clearly makes here in 2 Samuel in chapter 1 on the death of Saul. I am going to focus my mind on every good thing that could possibly be said about that man who caused me so much difficulty. His love for Saul who treated him so badly not only covers the multitude of sins. I mean, he could have said, well, folks, my lips are sealed. And of course, if he'd said that, that would have spoken volumes, wouldn't it? Everyone would have known, oh, there's a story there. But he doesn't simply cover over, he commends. He goes further, he writes this song and he teaches it to people and he says, let me tell you what was good about Saul. This is a song that has what was good about Saul. Remarkable. And what's significant, and this is very important, there's no faking, there's no pretending in this. There's nothing here about Saul's loving God, which he didn't do. There's nothing here about Saul obeying God, which he didn't do. There's no lies. There's no pretending. There's no dressing up. There is simply a choice to identify that which was good. 
And David finds three good things. Verse 22, Saul's military achievements. Verse 23, his partnership with Jonathan that was very effective. There was never a good partnership with David, and that was to be lamented. But there was with Jonathan, so there's something to be praised. And the prosperity, verse 24, that came as a result of the spoils of war. And he commends these things, goes out of his way to do it. Whatsoever things are good, you think about these things. That's what love does. That's what love does. Again, think of how God does this with us. Remember how Jesus told the story about a master and he gives talents to his servants and then he goes away and then when he comes back, two of the servants actually hear the master say, well done, good and faithful servant, Uh, enter into your master's joy. And every Christian believer, knowing that that points to the last day when we'll stand before the Lord, every Christian believer wants to think, would I hear God say to me, Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your master's joy. But if you're anything like me, you will have asked from time to time, how in the world is that possible? You will sometimes look at your own best efforts, and you will wonder if God will really see any value in them at all. How would it be possible for this almighty and this holy God to look at the work done by flawed believers like me and like you, and then find them commendable? And the answer to that very real question is, he will find them commendable, believer, because when he looks at you in Jesus Christ, he also sees your work in Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Pastor Colin Smith and Open the Bible, part of our series on the life of David, and we've been hearing about the lives of David and Saul. Today's message was the last of the series called Grieving Without Gloating. If you ever miss any of our messages, you can always catch up online. Go to our website, that's openthebible.org.uk. There you can download any of the previous messages as an mp3 completely free or you can simply stream them from the website open the bible is only able to appear on this station and on the website because of your generous donations and we'd like to thank you for that if you don't already give to open the bible but you feel you'd like to if you're able to donate a regular amount of five pounds or more in return we'd like to send you a book Today is the last day we can send you this particular book. It's by Nancy and Robert Walgamuth, and it's called You Can Trust God to Write Your Story. It's a book that Colin recommends, and he'll be talking a little bit about it after the second part of this message. So, back to the message now. Join us, if you can, in the second book of Samuel, chapter 1, as we continue the last part of the message, Grieving Without Gloating. Here's Pastor Colin. After uh, Christmas this year, I started a new project. Like most of you, I love music, and it is marvelous to me that I can get hundreds of songs on my phone. I mean, it's just amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's absolutely remarkable. And uh, listen to them on the car. I can take them in a little thing the size of my pocket, listen to them on a plane, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. It's amazing. Why bother with a whole box of CDs when you can get absolutely everything right there on your phones? Marvelous. Now, for those of you who are younger, 
you need to know that before there were CDs, there were little things that looked like a large matchbox called cassettes. I got boxes of them. And before there were little things that were called cassettes, there was vinyl. Records on a turntable with a needle. Amazing. And I got loads of them. And it occurred to me after Christmas, you know, I've not listened to these things for years, and a lot of them I really rather like. And so I got the gear for making the connection between the uh, turntable with the vinyl and the computer, and thought, okay, I'm going to get them onto the phone. It's going to be great. can take them anywhere. Marvelous. So I made the first recording. Got the headphones on. It was awful. Uh, you know the breakfast cereal that's called, that's advertised Snap, Crackle, and Pop? Well, that's exactly what it was. Snap, Crackle, and Pop. And I think, I cannot possibly listen to this. It's going to be a disaster. Then, I found a piece of software that is absolutely marvelous. It is called the D-Popper. And when you run it through the D-Popper, the I couldn't get over the effect. You can see that I'm excited about this. <laughs> How is it possible, friends, that a recording that is scarred with scratches and crackle and wear of years can suddenly be transformed into something that is beautiful, clean sound when I'm hearing it now on the iPhone. That is the most beautiful picture of what happens in the presence of God to your works, your ministry, your service. When you are in Jesus Christ, what we do is so far from perfect, and yet it becomes beautiful in the eyes and in the ears of Almighty God. Did you know that that's what happens every time you pray? That all the distortion and all the weakness of faith and all the things that are firing off and asking for the wrong things in the wrong direction, the snack crackle and the pop gets taken out as it goes in the name of Jesus Christ and ascends to the throne of God so that God the Father lovingly hears and answers the weakest prayer of the most ordinary Christians. Amazing. That's what gives value to the life, the ministry, the work of a Christian believer. That's what would make it possible for someone who often feels, am I really accomplishing anything in what I'm doing, that I might yet hope that I will hear through Jesus Christ, the master himself say, well done, good and faithful servant. Love commends, that's what love does. God loves you. And he loves you in Jesus Christ, and that's why Christ came for you, because without that, your best efforts would all be snap, crackle, and pop. They really would. And you know it, as I know it. Here's the last thing. What does love do? The ending of a difficult relationship, beginning of a new era. Love grieves, as God does over wasted lives. Love covers as God does over all your sins. 
Love commends here's in this very mixed life that you and I have as a Christian believer with so much that's not even as we would yet want it to be. God sees that which is of value because it's in Christ and that's how he sees it. The last thing is simply this, love heals. David lamented, verse 17, with this lamentation over Saul and Jonathan, his son. And he said, it should be taught to the people of Judah. You see, what's the significance of that? Which was David's tribe? David from the tribe of Judah. Not only was David kind in the way that he expressed this marvelous love, but he was also wise. You can read the story if you would like to do so in 2 Samuel, see how it continues. But it won't surprise you to know that when Saul died, there were some people who rallied behind David. Then there were other folks who found a still living son of Saul, a little known guy by the name of Ishbosheth, And they said, well, he's a son of Saul, so we're going to get behind him. We're not for David and all the rest of it. And so David inherited a divided kingdom. And the challenge for David was how to unite what Saul had so obviously divided. And you can even see the beginnings of the division in uh, 2 Samuel in chapter 2. David is anointed. You see it there in the heading in the Bible. He's anointed king in Judah. That's the south. That's where his base was in the south. That's where the Judah tribe was. And Ishbosheth, later in the chapter, he's made king over Israel, the north, in Mahanaim. He was over the Asherites and Ephraim. That's all north and also the tribes that were further east. And so it won't surprise you to read in chapter 3 and verse 1 of Second Samuel that was then a long war between the north and the south. Not surprising. Nothing new or unusual in any of that. And that's what David inherited, a divided kingdom. And he had to find a way over time in which he was able to bring people together from these different factions and unite them together around one vision and around one purpose. And so I want you to notice the significance of what David does here as he grieves the death of Saul on day one. David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and Jonathan, his son, and he said, it should be taught to the people of Judah. So David goes to his own camp and he says, I'm grieving Saul and I want you to do the same. No gloating, not from one of you. No gloating. So the people of faith of Judah in verse 17 are to join with the daughters of Israel, verse 24, in the love that grieves, in the love that covers, in the love that commends. And out of this comes the beginning of what eventually will be the healing of the whole nation. It's beautiful. Here we come to the table now in which Christ reaches out to us, the love that has not only wept, but has suffered and has died and has given himself for us, the Love that for all who are in Christ covers our multiple sins and goes on doing that. Love that ends up commending us before God and giving our very lives value in the sight of God, reframing our entire relationship with God in Jesus Christ. And he draws us together from all our different backgrounds, from those who are far and those who are near. And we're brought together as he's the great peacemaker 
and we're brought together in him. My question is simply this, what do you know of this love? Love that weeps over someone who's hurt you. Love that covers, love that commends. Love that makes peace where there's division. Is that kind of love in you at all? Because it's awfully different from the bitterness and the take the next person down spirit that is dominating our culture today. And there's only one way to get that love. And that's to be in touch with its source. That's why John says, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, we love because he first loved us. The only way that you're going to be able to love in the brokenness of this world, to be able to have love towards even those who have hurt you, to have love like David had towards Saul when he grieved over, is that this amazing love that covers, this amazing love that commends, this amazing love of Christ should come into your heart and should be yours even today. You've been listening to Pastor Colin Smith on Open the Bible. And the final part of our series about the life of David, called Grieving Without Gloating. If you've been affected by the message of God's redeeming love, and you'd like to learn more about it, or maybe you have questions about the Christian way of life, we strongly recommend that you get yourself along to a local church, see the minister there or talk with the prayer ministry team, and talk to them about your needs and where you are in relationship with God. They'll be happy to meet with you, pray with you, talk to you about the Christian faith. And we'd love to hear about it as well, so you can easily contact us by simply sending us an email at hello at openthebible.org.uk. At Open the Bible, we're able to keep this program on the station because our listeners support us financially. If that's something you feel able to do, we'd really appreciate a regular donation. And to say thank you, if you can set up a regular monthly donation of £5 or more, we would love to send you a copy of Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth and Robert Wolgamuth's book, You Can Trust God to Write Your Story, Embracing the Mysteries of Providence. And Colin, why should people read this book? Oh, two reasons. Uh, the first is the people who've written it. Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth is a wonderful Bible teacher. Her husband, uh, Robert, a wonderful writer. They've collaborated together. You want to read the writings of people who walk closely with the Lord. And Robert and Nancy are marvelous examples of that. But then the second reason would be the focus of this book. It's all about how God writes your story and how you can trust God to write your story, especially in times where you feel, you know, what is actually happening in my life and what is it that God is doing? At one point in the book, Steve, Robert and Nancy give us 10 principles that help us to see how God is at work in the story of our lives. I haven't got time to give all 10, but here's a sample. God works in unexpected, unexplainable ways to accomplish his purpose. Then here's another one. What we see now is not the whole story. Another one. We can trust God to write the story of those we love. That's a really helpful encouragement. And here's another. The challenges we face now may be a part of God writing someone else's story. 
That's a really helpful insight. And wrapping it up, you can trust God to write your story. God is always writing a redemptive story in the lives of each of his children. And this book wonderfully explains how it's a joy to read and it will be a blessing and a help to all who read it. For Colin Smith and Open the Bible, I'm David Pick, and I hope you'll join us again next time. Open the Bible is supported on this station by our listeners. This is the end of the first part of David's life. We will recap the year's listener favourites beginning next time on Open the Bible.